Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast breaking down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. Oh my god, that was really good. Stop, stop, it's so loud. How are you louder? You backed away, you were really loud. I was like preparing um, too. I get an email to do that, asking me to do that weekly. So I just, I, I have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're actually asking you to do that. Yeah. Forgot. <laughs> man. How's it going? It's good, man. It's good. We just got done doing an exciting recording of uh, on the Steam Deck. Very passionate. I can tell you and I are both getting heated and annoyed with one another. Um, and that episode will actually release after this episode, the following right. week of... That'll be June, July, August by then, I think. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, um, things are going by fast. And you and I both had a, a long weekend, I know. And it's hot. Heat's, heat's picking up. <laughs> the heat is picking um, up. I'm de- I'm probably de- – actually, no, I'm not dehydrated. I'm, I'm always hydrated, Lucas. You know, you know that. Uh, I do have a slight headache, though, because my room is very hot. And I've already been recording in here yelling for an hour. <laughs> and I'm ready to have a good time, though. All right. And all right. I know you are, too. Um, I am. You can see it in your eyes. I, you know, I you got that sparkle I love. I, I know those of you that clicked on the pod episode on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite shows, uh, you clicked on this episode, and I hope you are as excited as I am uh, to dive into this video game. Um, I have been wanting to do this forever. This is like one of the Mount Rushmore's of gaming for many, many people, one of them being myself. Um, Matt, who has never played Chrono Trigger um, or has zero nostalgia for it because he never was around really gaming during that era. Me, who has a ton of nostalgia for it, on top of wanting to understand this game from a modern perspective. There's just so much, so much, so much to get into. Um, I'm predicting this being a long episode. I have a feeling we're going to yell at each other a lot. Um, don't don't, don't, don't take it personally <laughs> if I'm mad at you for hating this let me, game. Let me give a little... Let me get, I'm not, I like this game better than I like Super Metroid. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I didn't want this to, I didn't want this to turn to Super Metroid. Yeah, no, no. This will be a much more, uh, I'll be much more kinder in that regard. Um, but yeah, everyone, um, that, that is right. As Lucas has mentioned today, we are talking about the number one time traveling simulator, Corona Trigger. Cue the sweet, sweet music. Lucas, um, what a game. What a game. What a game. I, so bef- before we dive in, I'm, we're going to dive in. We're going to deep dive in, really. Deep dive. Um, we're sad to say that our producer, Sam, could not be on this episode. Um, he very, very much wanted to be on this episode, so it's tough that he's not here. He did record some sound bites that he wanted me to play, which I'll play at the right time. Probably oh, nearly. I'm end. excited for that. Um, yeah, so he is going to give yeah. his opinion on this episode. It actually is one of his favorite games, um, and he's here. He's not here for a very good reason. Producer Sam, want to give a big congratulations. Um, he's out in Europe, 
uh, doing Doing some on doing an on-site editing job. Um, Huge congrats to him. So for, you know, the thanks for playing um, audience out there, just know our producers out there doing big things. Um, And that's why he couldn't be on this, uh, this week's episode. And really quickly, um, before we dive any further into the episode and on the game that is Chrono Trigger, um, really quickly, you know, if you, if you don't hate us, um, shoot us a follow on a uh, Twitter, Instagram, TFP podcast, as well as TikTok. I actually changed our TikTok name recently, and that's right. Um, we got your email, Zoomers, and we listened. We are back on TikTok, actively posting again. So you can follow us on both Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at TFP Podcasts. That's TFP Podcasts with an S at the end. As well, if you have any questions, shoot us an email at thanksforplayingpod at gmail.com. And really quickly, um, I gave this a shout out in our Left 4 Dead episode, and I want to give it a shout out in one more game episode too, because it was such a well-written review of the podcast. And I want to incentivize you all to, you know, maybe leave a review on Apple Podcasts because hey, uh, we like hearing from you, whether that's a review or an email. And maybe if you reach out, maybe maybe you'll end up on the podcast in some capacity, like Perhaps. this man is about to. Um, so this is a five-star review, may I say. Um, by a Apple Podcast user by the name of Slightly Pissed Guy. Um, title of the interview is Read Me. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, I think it'd be cool to get in an episode since I enjoy these so much. Really excellent analysis of the games without feeling too stuffy. Good banter and chemistry between the host and a great game selection. Something we pride ourselves on, Slightly Pissed Guy, is our game selection. <laughs> um, this is my first gaming-oriented podcast. And I'm glad to be getting in before it blows up. Slightly pissed guy, thank you for the kind words. Thank you, thank uh, you. We are grateful to have you listening, as well as to all the other listeners. We really appreciate your support. Um, the podcast is um, it's like, bro, it's a movie. We're um, <laughs> we're we're really excited about the direction we're going with things, and we're hoping to keep pushing it. Um, now, Chrono Trigger, why we're all here, Lucas? Why don't before we dive into this, why don't you give us a brief synopsis of the game? So maybe if someone hasn't played this yet, you have at least a general idea of what's going on here. Of course, of course. Um, Chrono Trigger, wow, what a video game. 1995 JRPG <laughs> of legendary status. Um, you know it by name if you haven't played it. If you have played it, you know what I'm talking about. Um, Chrono Trigger, plot goes a little something like this. Follows the story of main character Chrono and his many friends throughout time. The rebellious princess Marl or Marley, we're not really quite sure how it's pronounced. Chrono's uh, <laughs> Chrono's brainiac best friend Luca, a talking humanoid frog from the Middle Ages named Frog, a self-aware robot from the post-apocalyptic future named Robo, and a prehistoric sort of animal-like woman named Ayla. Uh, after discovering accidentally discovering time travel, Chrono and his friends are sent on a huge journey to stop the world from ending in an apocalyptic event in 1999 an event where a giant monster comes out of the ground and rains destruction upon the earth. After attempts to circumvent the disaster to go back in time, eventually the the friends learn that the beast's name is Lavos, um, and he came to the planet in the form of a meteorite in 65 million BC. Yes, Lavos was the asteroid that destroyed the dinosaurs. It's actually actually the implication in the game, which is kind of funny. Um, (laughs) It is then revealed that an ancient civilization in the year 1200 BC attempted to use Lavos' power to attain immortality, but was then destroyed by Lavos himself. Numerous key characters are revealed to come from this ancient civilization era, including one of the nemesis in the game, 
Magus. Eventually, the crew fights Lavos in the year 1995 after enlisting the help of all of the friends from all sorts of times and acquiring a time machine called the Wings of Time. Only after attaining all of the most powerful items you can in the game are you prepared to fight Lavos and defeat him when he emerges from the ground on the apocalyptic day in 1999. Um, Chrono Trigger, uh, it just real quick, 9 out of 10, Nintendo Power, 9 out of 10, Game Informer, A on Electronic Gaming Monthly, 92% on Metacritic, and 9.5 from IGN, which, good job, IGN. You did it. 9.5. They were above the Metacritic. One. They were above, above Metacritic on this one, um, which is which Rare. is really, really great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, there's, there's a lot going for this game. Um, it's got a really kick-ass plot. It's all over the place, all over throughout time. Um, and it's, man, I, I know we're going to dive into so much stuff, but um, ah, I'm just so excited. I'm so excited right now. <laughs> it's... It's her. Well, let me give you my first impressions. Holy Akira Toriyama. <laughs> <laughs> so I myself, I'm a pretty big. Um, I mean, I think I've made it pretty clear on this podcast. I'm a pretty big fan of anime in general. Yeah. And like many of us, I think growing up, um, you know, mid 20 year olds growing up, my one of my favorite shows to watch growing up was Dragon Ball. Um and Dragon Ball Z, and even now, honestly, by extension, I've watched like Dragon Ball Super. I've kept up with that, just because my love of this series. And oh my god, every single one of these characters, Lucas, is a Dragon the, Ball character. They all look like Dragon Ball. Um, Luca is just a brunette Bulma with glasses. Yeah. Um, Magus is just like one of the Supreme Kai's, and <laughs> fucking... Chrono is Goku. Chrono, Chrono has Goku's hair. And Future Trunks's face. Yes. Which I think he did on purpose because Future Trunks has a has sword. A sword. I know. So, <laughs> but so but does, Chrono, Chrono, so Chrono. Chrono was created before Future Trunks was created, though, no? Probably not in the manga. Oh, you're right. You're right. Sorry. Yeah. That's right. I would think. I'm not sure. We're, we're, I'm going to dive into how this, uh, you know, how this game may or may not have influenced, like, the anime, like, Amer the Americanization, with, like, American obsession with anime down the line. Um, but sorry, continue with your initial thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I I was kind of like not excited to play this game, um, wow. just because I I I'm a I'm a new age game. I like new games. I like things that feel fresh, things that feel new, that are fluid and fun and are like kind of fast paced action. I like cool set pieces. I like good cinematics. Um, I mean, I fucking gave Cyberpunk an eight. I almost that. <laughs> God. Um, it hurts every time you say yeah, that. Every time I say that. Um, but I found myself surprisingly engaged with the game. Um, I think it has slow to start, but a pretty solid story all around with some fun twists and some kind of like dark stuff. Um, like mature themes, I guess you could say. You could probably dig into those a little bit better than I can. I think it's the combat. Well, obviously, like, simple. I think it's very fun, actually. Um, and once you, like, kind of get maybe, like, halfway through the game, I think the combat improves drastically in terms of the depth of it. And um, great music. So, yes, it, uh, it, hit, it ticked off a lot of my, like, very basic level boxes for games. Great music is an understatement. Yeah. For me. Um, I, I have been wanting, again, like I said, I've been wanting to do this episode for so long. 
Um, most, like my first memories of video games really do come from Chrono Trigger. Um, now, like I said, Sam, our producer, was originally going to be on this episode and we would have talked all about how me and him played it when we were very, very young. Um, for those of you that don't know, Sam is my brother, um, which is why he has preferential treatment being the producer for the show. Um, and, you know, he he rented this game so many times from our local video store just to beat it. Um, he just kept renting it and kept renting it. And he must have been 10 or 11 years old. And I was four or five. And I just sat and watched him play it. And for those of you that kind of grew up in the era where you just watch your sibling play like an old game, um, it was it was really great to watch this one fly by for sure. Um, I I didn't beat this game myself until I was around maybe 14 when I was in high school. I gave it a proper playthrough. Um, and the thing is, is that if, if you're a little bit of an older school gamer, I know that Matt and I are very similar in age, but I tend to I tended to stay more in like the Super Nintendo kind of 90s era of gaming. Lucas's first system. What was your first system? An SNES. Yeah, my my like first system that I really played was like a Game Boy Advanced a little bit, followed by a PlayStation Two. Yeah, so very very yeah. different from me. Where like I had the SNES, sixty four, GameCube, um, S Advance, SP, DS. Like, I mean, I had all the regular stuff that you had too. But I also had a, I played PlayStation One quite a bit. Um, played a lot of SNES, of course. But um, for those of you that kind of were around during this era, it, Chrono Trigger is interesting in that even if you're playing it all these years later, you're doing your second playthrough, your third playthrough. Let's say you listen to this episode and you become inspired to play this game again. It's been so a part of the the culture and like the, the Mount Rushmore of gaming, like I said, that you still remember characters, you still remember some plot points and you remember who Lavos was and you remember what Chrono looked like, that the game, and, and it, it doesn't feel like it ever really left your head in a sense. And for me, I, I don't even remember a time when I didn't know what this game was. That's how old and like etched into my mind it is. So like the when did it click, the spoilers, like everything, it, it, it almost doesn't even apply to me because I I just, it's in my, like this game is in my head and in my heart. That's that's how I feel about it. It's it's part of it. Just right? It just is. It, yeah. it just is. Yeah. It's not, yeah, it just is exactly and um that i guess that's that's what i got for initial thoughts i know i'm fan fanboying over here um but you know playing it this time around i i found a lot to still really be excited about um i you know i i, I don't i don't accept the nostalgia argument on this one um i i mean i i, I feel very nostalgic about this game obviously because it's, it's very closely tied to my childhood but I played this game now. I I think it's great. I think it has like modern game design elements. I think it has like really great. Like I I don't I we definitely can't knock it for its graphical capabilities for back in the day. But it what it is actually doing from like cinematic levels, pacing, story, beats, like it is doing everything great. It's doing it all in a modern way. Um, it's got twists, some major characters die. I mean, it's got regular good story beats in it that like you would expect in like a modern regular story. Yeah, Yeah. really, really good stuff. And it feels like a big adventure. Um, and again, like I know we'll touch on it, but the gameplay is, has depth. It's not too convoluted. Um, it's it's just so good. So many, so much of it is so good. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You done? I'm not done yet. I mean, there's going to be more. I mean, I'm done with initial thoughts. I don't want to. I don't want to take up too much of the time on the initial thoughts. Um, I I do want to touch on um, a little bit of the. I, I want to touch on the making of. 
of Chrono Trigger for this episode. Um, I, I did quite a bit of research on, on some of that. Um, and we're going to d- dive into game design and sound design, all the regular stuff on this episode. But I want to start by talking about uh, the Dream Team. Did you did you come across the Dream Team, Matt, when you're doing any I bit of research here? I did not, no. So, so the Dream Team uh, is comp- comprised of, of three men who created Chrono Trigger. Okay? okay. Back in the 90s, three men from Japan, uh, Japanese titans of industry, you might say, took a trip to the United States to do some learn and do some demos on computer graphics capabilities that America American companies were doing at the time. Okay? Probably going over to Microsoft and seeing what Microsoft was doing. It was it's, the story is a little convoluted there. The three men were Horinobu Sakaguchi, the creator of Final Fantasy, that's who that is. Uh, Yuji Hori, the creator of Dragon Quest, and Akira Toriyama, the creator of Dragon Ball. So you have He's the creator. So, cool. so you, you have the creator of Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, and Dragon Ball on the same plane going to America, right? Like the big three. And the big three. And honestly, if you're going to have three people from the '90s making your JRPG, it's going to have to be those three, right? Yeah. yeah. So. These three go and they start, they're going over to America, basically on business to go uh, get some computer graphics demos. And they start talking about a game that they might want to make. They start brainstorming and they come up, they they, they just come up with the concept of they want to do something that's never been done before. Okay. So they get together, they start brainstorming. Um, I don't believe Akira Toriyama was obviously not working for Squaresoft at the time, but he came in as a consultant, sort of a, a informal art director doing character designs, coming up with overall concepts and looks and vibes for set pieces yes. and things like that. And basically created all of the concept art for Chrono Trigger and handed it off to the team to really play with, to really make, bring to life in, in sprite form, in 16-bit era form, or 16-bit form. And, you know... The thing is that this all came at a really great time because this is the end of the life cycle for the Super Nintendo, which meant they got to squeeze all the technical capabilities out of the Super Nintendo. They got to really, really take everything that the console can do just because everything had already been done so far. People had figured out how to program on it, make memory as efficient as possible on the console. Obviously, memory being a huge limitation back then. And they were able to actually squeeze everything out of the Super Nintendo and make Chrono Trigger. Um, the idea, it actually started off as a con, like there's actually two conflicting pieces of information. They say that it started off as its own standalone series and was going to go off and do its own thing. But some claim that it actually started off as a spinoff for the mana series or secret of mana. Um, but it was codenamed Maru Island, um, under some sources that I found. Um, and eventually the time travel idea came about, um, they actually had like it was like a 50 to 60 person team throughout its development cycle. And they would have all 50 or 60 people in one room talking ideas, like when they would brainstorm. So it was a very, so insane. It's a very overwhelming uh, development cycle and creative brainstorm session. As you can imagine, it wasn't like three guys at the very top kind of making all the decisions. They really did do a lot of things as a team and obviously caused a lot of tension but but the ideas all emerged in in a good way i think it just speaks to the direction of the dream team really kind of taking as many ideas as they could from everybody else and really informing um, the direction of the game so that's the overall context of how uh chrono trigger came to life um a lot more to the story that i want to dive into in terms of the making of in regards to the sound design uh, and a lot of the music 
But really, it came down to, you know, the vision of three guys that kind of just wanted to do something really cool. Um, And these guys are legends. Seriously. I mean, they've informed in kind of like thanks for playing kind of like thanks for playing the the creator i mean think about it the creator of dragon quest final fantasy and dragon ball all being on the same flight and coming to america and just like talking like you know talking shit or just shooting, shooting the shit, shit, yeah. shit, shit it's like insane i mean these three people like basically created like the cultural like obsession of so much of american pop culture that would have come in the next 20 30 years right like you gotta think there should have been a rule where like they're not all allowed to travel together it's too dangerous we can't we can't risk losing them all in one go (laughs) yeah and like i mean you're you i mean you love anime more than i do I, i i like anime um i guess a little bit more than like an average person i suppose uh, but i know you you i mean you love it you read manga you're like always exploring new shows and stuff so much of that is really like dragon ball dude like yeah this like that was like the such a, a beginning of it in america and i remember like that was back when it was like you were such a nerd for watching that sort of stuff like it right. was just yeah. it, it had to eventually break through you know and i just like that guy was talking with the creator of Final Fantasy and the creator of Dragon Quest. Blows my mind that like those three guys were able to come together and and do it. They end up informing so much of the culture that comes around in the next few years. So much gaming genres that come about because of their ideas. Um, so many game designers that love and admire their work. Um, you know, it's just it's re- truly was a dream team for sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean. Having that many, you know, it's almost a miracle that like, what's even more impressive than the fact that they were, you know, those two people came together is the fact that they were able to put out a creative product as well. Because I I think what's interesting when you get three people that are that successful in their own rights, I mean, Dragon Ball had been around since 89, so Akira Toriyama was very successful. Um, And I'm sorry, I'm already blanking on the names of the other two, but they both were obviously very successful in their own genres and their own, both kind of the same genre, but their own games at that point. And you would think like when I, when I hear those three like big names together, my think would be, or my fear would be, are they going to kind of put each other down or is one person going to take, try and take control or are they not going to be respectful of each other's ideas? But just like, nah, we're we're going to get it done and make something sick. They Uh, really managed to collaborate. Yeah, I, I find that just so awesome. Um, and, I mean, yeah, I just can't get over the fact that Akira Toriyama was in this. I <laughs> know. Every time I think about that, it blows. Like, even the freaking opening, like, or the cutscenes for the cinematics, like, it all used sounds, like, sound design from Dragon Ball. Like, yeah. Lucas Blaster in the opening cutscene, or at least for the PC, might be different on other um, ports, but... It's um literally like the the sound if you shoot like a an a, a key or energy blast in Dragon Ball. It's yeah. all identical. Um it was it was just it was very weird cognitive dissonance going on when I was playing. <laughs> I know. It's uh it's kind of funny playing it now uh, like knowing what we know and like the journey that Akira Toriyama has taken over the so many years. Oh, yeah. um, and Dragon Ball in general. Um it, I mean I didn't know when I was a kid that it was the same character designer. And I was like, oh, go or Chrono looks familiar. <laughs> Goku's in my game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, sorry, we got we got we got some categories to hit over here. So yeah. we got to hit them. Uh, when did it click? Uh, when did this one click for you? Um, I think I got to opt out of this one. This game has always existed in my head. So what about for you? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So for me, really, when I started getting more used to the combat and understanding kind of like the ebbs and flow of the combat, because at the beginning of the game in particular, the combat is very kind of cut and dry. Like you just attack and you use one or two attacks just kind of over and over. And there's not really any strategy to it. But then once in particular, like the first boss that I really noticed it on was um, I think the dragon tank and maybe some other ones close to around that point where there's very clear like, oh, you need to attack in this manner. You need to like use these kind of attacks against it because some things are more um, effective against it than they wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And in particular, once magic gets introduced, because um, once magic is, is introduced at that point, then you're also getting more um, enemies that are resistant to magic or they're resistant to physical attacks. So you need to use magic and then just kind of understanding like the ebbs and flows of that and being having to kind of experiment in battle and say, okay, I don't want to use an AOE attack right now because I don't want to hit this person with magic because it'll heal them. Even it'll do a bunch of damage to this other one. And there's also just so many unique, you know, um, kind of attacks. Like there's AOE attacks. There's attacks that where it just gets everyone in a close circle. And to give context, everyone, um, I think the way I would describe this, like the gameplay, as far as the fights go, the way I, I don't know if this is the right term. The way I'm describing it is real time turn based. Um, yeah, active battle is kind of what active they call battle. It. Yeah, okay, active, active battle. battle. So it's it's like Pokemon in the sense where like you have kind of like commands to pick from, um, but it's all happening in real time, like an active battle, like Lucas said, where if you just don't pick your action in time or you don't scroll to heal your potion, you might get killed by the enemy you're fighting before you have the option to even heal yourself or choose your action. So you do actually have to kind of be more actively involved in that sense and engaged in the fight. And there's just so many, yeah. Once I started diving into the fighting and the battles again, that depth there, that's what really hooked me. Honestly, the story didn't really grab me till like two thirds of the way through. Um, just because I, mean, I can kind of get this more later, but the story itself is interesting, but as far as the driving forces of the characters, I just wasn't like really buying into it. Um, mm-hmm. And, I think if I played this game when you first played it when you were younger, I probably would have had a much easier time. Like we got to save the world guys. Yeah. <laughs> but now I'm just kind of like, like there's no driving force. They're just like, Oh, we discovered time travel. I, I guess, guess we're doing this now. Like it's yeah. very, it's very just kind of a matter of fact. Like, well, I guess this, this is what I'm doing the next few days. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I will, I will agree with that part of it. Um, I noticed that on this playthrough that, the character motivations are a little wonky just because they're time because time travel is the big factor you don't ever really need to fight lavos yeah <laughs> like you don't like, technically need to do anything um and the only character yeah. that really has any proper vested interest in defeating lavos on paper should be um robo robo because i mean you could even just like tell you know the people like oh like there's this giant thing underground like you got a thousand years get ready um, and I'm sure they could figure something out in a thousand years. Right? <laughs> um, and but Robo's world obviously is already kind of devastated. So I mean, they have a much more vested interest in defeating Lobos. But I mean, there, there's literally a thousand year, excuse me, nine hundred ninety nine year separation between um, Chrono and Lucas timeline, which is like the most middle ground timeline. Even and then like versus um, when Lavos actually shows up. I mean, Layla, excuse me, not Layla, Ayla in particular has like no actual reason to be there. <laughs> yeah, I agree. 
But other than that, yeah, it's it good. <laughs> it's just it's just a bunch of friends fighting for their friends. It's just, fr- it's it's just friendship, into. man. Yeah, yeah that, uh, there's a lot of friendship themes in it, which I always I always love friendship uh, as a theme and in, in stuff. Um, I agree with you on the on the story. Um, I think like there's a huge suspension of disbelief category or suspension of disbelief like kind of thing you have to have in your head with it. Yeah, in regards to the story, because like I I will recognize that the Lavos as a villain comes about very, very quickly and in like a way that's like, oh, this is why the planet's destroyed. Lavos just kind of comes out, destroys everything in a video. And then like you guys just go, we'll stop him. And that's like, and then it just, and then you're like, oh, okay. Like, I guess we're doing this. I guess we're doing this. Yeah. It's like, it does kind of feel that way a little bit. There probably could have been a little bit more like buildup or motivation or so even like a little line of like, you know, the present is ripping apart or like, you know, like the, these timelines are yeah. like destroying something like that's, that's happening right now, right now. There is urgency near the end when the black omen appears, like when the, the flying black, o- cause that thing is like actually causing, a, it's actually ripping up, 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 it's ripping space time apart in a way. Right. Um, so that, that, that's kind of cool, but Lavos himself. Yeah. You could have easily just not done anything at all. Um, it's kind of, kind of funny there. Um, diving into game design. Right, I want to get to that real quick. I want to get to that actually because that's like a, a a good bulk of of what I want to talk about here. Um, I like you said, I think there's a lot of uh, depth to the combat in the later stages of the game. I want to say like halfway through, things start getting pretty interesting. Then near the end, things are very interesting, um, and I like it because it's a subtle depth. Um, no loadout, no singular loadout in the game is the best loadout. So for those of you that haven't played it, there's seven characters total. You get to have three in your party. Um, When you're fighting, you get to do combinations of dual techs and triple techs in order to um, use in combat. Plus, you have all the items that you could pick from, which everybody could use. Um, But the the dual dual techs and the triple techs all depend on who you have in your party. So if you have Frog and Chrono, you have something called X-Strike. If you have Chrono and Luka, you have Fire Sword. Um, if you have Robo and Ayla, you have a super cool one, actually. I think it was called something drop. Um, there, and then there's like heal ones, there's support ones, there's AOE damage, single target damage. There's a bunch of different things. Um, some do physical damage, some do physical, some do physical, some do magic damage. Um, but no one loadout covers all bases. Um, and that's what I think was really, really cool. I'm sure some nerds out there have number crunched this one and probably figured (laughs) out, what one has the best chance of winning really but, but there's no clear answer when you're just playing it normally ex- exactly which i think makes for for really solid game design because like the true answer is kind of hidden behind a few like layers it's not like oh here's this one stat here's how this one stat affects this thing it's like you basically have physical defense magic defense offense offense and then magic right so physical offense and then magic so and then you have aoe's and single target it's actually a very distilled if you want to dive into the depths of like how the combat works pretty distilled it's pretty distilled right uh if somebody has a lot of magic armor they're going to be fine if the magic attack hits them but if a physical attack hits them they will probably not be fine and you can't really armor up anybody to the point where they can guard against both like with the items that you have so you have to kind of choose one or the other um, choose, yeah. yeah, and I thought that that made things really interesting because, like, let's say I had uh, Frog, Marl, uh, Marley or Marl or Chrono and Chrono, Chrono, Frog and Marley in my party, right? I have X-Strike, which is a dual tech between Frog and Chrono that is physical based. 
So it means you can deal a lot of single target physical damage to somebody, but I don't have a really solid AOE magic attack except for Luminaire, which is Chronos, or like Lightning 2, which is another one of Chronos. Um, and it creates like this weird dynamic because it's like, okay, well, if I attack the boss that heals from magic damage, Luminaire doesn't really do anything. Then again, Frog has an AOE heal. Then again, Marl has really good single target heal. It's like it becomes this kind of game where, you know, you 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 it's it's almost like the inklings of like in WoW you have like AOE healers, single target healers, AOE damage, single target damage, and everybody has their specialties and stuff. That's how this feels. Like it really does. Well, it becomes does um, you have to make a choice, right? And you know, kind of backtracking a little bit, I think this is a great example of agency in gaming where the player gets yeah. a unique choice to kind of shape their experience not based off not by having like certain story beats that they're making decisions on but rather just how do you approach a fight how are you going to use the game's mechanics to change your game experience and yeah i just thought the combat was so fun and rewarding especially once you like were getting fucked up in a fight but then you figured it out yeah that was like there was one i remember i was fighting um a later boss where you're fighting two golems that basically mimic your attacks um and what I did was I had Luca and I had Chrono in my party. Chrono has like light lightning based attacks, and then uh, Luca has um, like fire based attacks. And in sequence, so I, I equipped Chrono and Luca both with fire resistant armor. And then in sequence, what I would do was I would have Chrono attack with his uh, Luminaire, like his giant lightning um, AOE attack that does a bunch of damage. And then immediately after him, because her speed was fast enough, she would attack before the golems, and then she would do her fire AOE attack. And then because of that, both the golems are going to just copy my fire. Flare, the, yeah. My flare, my fire attack. And I have fire resistant damage on. So I just have these two going back and forth. I have Frog in the middle healing me, healing us. Yeah. And we're just chilling. Yeah. And then That's cool, like, right? And, but the fight before that, before I started doing that combination, I just got destroyed by them. And I was like really overthinking it. Like, oh, I need to like do i just focus all on one do i keep trying to get both what i do then i was like wait a minute i can just like abuse their own power against them yeah yeah and little things like that were so fun to fight or figure out and there's another one where you're on forget the boss's name it's like when you go to the death mountain or the death death's peak or something yeah yeah um the final boss up there has like these two really annoying hands that regenerate and i was having a lot of trouble oh you're thinking them. of mount mount woe in uh um, the floating the floating mountain on a chain yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. that, that place well, yeah. is cool I was having a lot of trouble with that boss. Um, and I was using my my main loadout I ran of characters. I usually had uh, Frog, Luca, and Chrono. But um, I was like, I, this just doesn't work. I need to do something different. So then I admit I had to Google this one, but just like still implementing it was kind of fun. But then <laughs> I, I, I subbed in um, Ayla for Luca. And I used like their horizontal attack, which it's not AoE. But it attacks everything that's on an equal plane, in a, on an equal horizontal plane. And then with that, I was just very easily to do like a thousand damage to these hands and like just yeah. take out the boss, no problem. Yeah. Um, so just for the game to have that amount of depth was just really interesting. And to have so many different ways to fight a boss. And like I could probably grind and like eventually get lucky and get through the other way like with my original party. But just knowing that there's other options out there Yeah. and making them um fun to to utilize and feel rewarding once you figure them out is super 
super good gameplay mechanics. Yeah, some stuff could not like you just couldn't fight with certain party members, yeah. and some stuff you really needed to like swap things out. And like sometimes you would just go like, oh, this is a really hard boss. You'd swap up your party, and all of a sudden it was an easy boss, and you're like, right? oh, okay, hang yeah. on, I I get it now. I just yeah. needed an AOE. I needed an AOE heal on Frog. I needed a bunch of single target physical damage with Chrono, so I'm just gonna spam this one attack and yeah. heal him, and it, and it works, you know. And on the topic of the uh, just the the combat in general too. I I really do love the active based battle system that they utilize. Especially I really love how seamless it is when you enter a battle. Because versus something like let's I'm gonna it's use not Pokemon it's not as an random. example a lot. It's not yeah. random. And I'm gonna keep using Pokemon as an example a lot because it's like one of the main turn based games I've played. But in Pokemon, you know, you go, you're wandering through grass and you get this random encounter. You have a like a even if you're on SSD, you have a five second loading screen. Like <laughs> how you say little, SSD. <laughs> um, does like a little music beats and then like whatever comes up and then it's either like a wild animal or a wild, a wild Pokemon has, has appeared. Or if you got caught out by a trainer randomly, it's like schoolboy Johnny wants to fight, um, wants to battle. You have to go through all that. But whereas in this, it's just very seamlessly integrated. You just, you walk up to the people you're fighting and just the music starts and then you're, you're going right yeah you don't um, teleport to some battlefield like you don't you don't enter a sub sub dimension and like yeah, fight there you, you for just a second. fight right there on the world map yeah it's really yeah it's really solid it keeps the flow going really well it makes the dungeons really fun and also it it gives you the opportunity to heal up like that's that was the thing that i found that was really great was that's what makes this it, it takes the annoying part of JRPG. People, the, the thing that people find really annoying in JRPGs, which are random battle encounters um, and the ability of never knowing if like you should heal right now or, you know, what you what you should do. Like you could be walking through the dungeon and you see the, the next enemy and you're like, oh, OK, I should probably use a potion before I fight that guy. Then you fight that guy, you know, and um, it's it's just really, really great in that sense. Um that was one thing I have here written on my notes as far as game design is uh, the game just truly is finely tuned as far as difficulty goes. Um, we did just recently cover difficulty in games in a recent podcast episode called Difficulty in Games. For those of you that are interested in that sort of thing, definitely check it out. Um, the difficulty in this game was so perfect. Um, a- absolutely. like It was not boring and it was not frustrating. I think it led itself at, at a perfect pace which is a lot to ask for in most games. Um, most developers can't find that middle ground very well. And I think this one is is absolutely amazing. There's actually, it's probably the only JRPG where you don't really need to grind. Like there's a little bit of grinding that you probably can do to make some of this stuff easier. But if you just play the game, like just go through every dungeon, fight every boss, you know, do some, do some of the side quests that you probably want to do anyway. They're not they're pretty much like available to you in a very simple way to do like you'll just level at a right pace and then just beat the game and it'll be fine um i i respect them so much for figuring that out (laughs) it's such a hard thing to do uh yeah you're muted matt (laughs) awkward dude (laughs) sorry what were you saying i was just going off what you were saying it's just a perfect mixture of um difficulty and everything else and it it scales very well as the game goes on um and it just it it plays well 
Yeah. Uh, one thing I do want to say too is, um, you know, when it comes to JRPGs, something that always comes up is like something becomes the most powerful attack in the game. I know that Final Fantasy VI is really um, a victim of this. I haven't played too many Pokemon games to know if this is a problem in them, but what always ends up happening in a lot of RPGs is a certain character has a certain ability that just works in 99% of all cases that you could just use it and kill something pretty pretty quick. Um, in Final Fantasy VI, that's actually a move called Ultima. Um, and it's just, you could just spam it with certain characters and just like win most fights. It's like a magic physical attack damage that just, just destroys everything. And what was cool about Chrono Trigger was there was actually no, no move like that. I used to think it was Luminaire, which is Chrono's strongest move. It's an AOE lightning-based magic attack, does a ton of damage, but if you use it on Lavos, you'll never win because you have to deal physical damage to the monster on the left in order to kill it, and then you have to deal damage to the one on the right as it's trying to res the one on the left. So even that like little thing is like so cool. So it's such an interesting like thing to implement is, one, there's no strongest attack in the game because it's always going to have an inherent weakness if it's a magic attack. And if it's a physical attack, same thing. So the other thing too is some characters, some boss fights, if you dealt damage to a certain like portion of the boss, you'd get hit with a really powerful counterattack. So some stuff had to be single target. Another like really great decision I think was made to like AOE attacks don't work all the time. You know, sometimes you have to go for that single Those target. Situations ability. where it's like, I can't do this or I'm going to heal someone. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And like some games never even implement something as, as deep as that. And this was like 30 years ago, almost that, that this has been around, you know? And I think it, it, it just makes you have to think a little bit more. It's not overly complex. That's, that's kind of what I want to stress too, is it's just, it's just complicated enough. Um, it's, it's a great entry level JRPG mechanic, you know? Kind of want to back up a little bit. That's crazy. This game is just about 24 years old. 24. No, it's almost 30. It's 26, right? It came out in 95. It's 2021, right? 26 yeah, years. 20, about 25 years old. Oh, okay. You said 20. Okay. I said just, 24, I think. Yeah, but it's 26. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, no, math that's, is hard. That's just nutty, though. Um. I don't know why in my head I was just telling myself this game's like 15 years old, 10 years old. Yeah, I know, um, man. But it definitely holds up than other old games I've played. <laughs> Metroid. Um, <laughs> Goddamn. So I was, I'm was, i very, very impressed by the game design. Um, art style, Lucas. Yeah, um, I, I got a lot for art style. I think... Um, so, so when, when we talk about old games, and this is something um, that we try to be very um, aware of for this pod is, you know, we, we can't really judge this game too much on like the technical aspects of the art style, right? Like we can't say like, oh, this didn't have like 3D, fully rendered 3D cutscenes. You know, obviously it was not, <laughs> they did not have the ability to do that back then. Yeah. Um, but certain things we, we like to think about when we're talking about older games in a modern context is, you know, one, how, how well is it doing for its time? Two, like what are the decisions that are being made that are within within their, totally within their realm of, of creativity and, and technical limitations? Um, I think it makes the right choices. I think it does very well. Um, like, honestly, the look that it has is... It, it's lucky to be in that era that it's timeless. Yeah. Um, that's that's the way I see it. Because if you go back to NES games, even if they do have like a great art style or make some really great creative choices or make things work, it doesn't just 
it's just it's a little too hard to look at like some of those old nes games atari games even it's just like it's not they're not quite at that level of refinement yet and then you go a few years later where you see the first 3d games on n64 ps1 and it's it's even hard to look at those sometimes like go go and look at the first tomb raider and you everybody here will know exactly what i'm talking about it's like we the first 3d games were just took took a step back in a way from the best 2d games graphically a little bit yeah um and this is definitely it was just so rough around the edges and yeah. yeah this is the finest uh like graphic style for a 2d game um that you could find where it's that beautiful sprite style it's it's pixelated but it's it's not too pixelated it, it, everything's very clear in what you're looking at um, they were able to do cutscenes. They were able to have really great music. The memory allowed for it, and even like the the character portraits were available. You know, some of those older games, the character portraits were just like nothing. Um, so you were able to actually see like, oh, this is actually what Chrono really does look like. I know you can't really tell because he's a oh, sprite, Tori, yeah. yeah, but he but he looks like Goku. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Um, I. I think the animations are really, really great. Everything's like just there's so many texts in the game. There's 162 texts in this game, like dual text and triple text in the game. I don't know yeah. if you knew that. Yeah, there's a lot. So they had to animate every single one of those. And each one of them is actually pretty sick. Like it's it was always really cool to watch. I really liked um, Delta Force. Did you use that one at all? Yeah, Delta Force was sick. That was the yeah. was that the Marl Frog Chrono one? Luca Frog Frog Chrono. Oh, wait, I don't think I used that one. Yeah, that was like my main one. I'm like, that kind of felt like my OP move, but it wasn't because he just used so much MP. Yeah, um, it was like, was it 20 MP per? It was like a shit ton, yeah. But it was really yeah. good. It was sick. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I um I loved all of the animations on everything. Um, the colors are very vibrant. I think uh, the colors are very vibrant when they need to be, and also very muted and dark when they need to be. Like the fact that they could have something as like cool feeling as like the forest that you go into and like kind of run around in to like magus's castle that just shows like so much diversity or to like um the year the 20 the year 2300 and all like the like post-apocalyptic world basically how it's just so dreary and uh like we mentioned like this game it's like the peak of pixel art right and the peak of like 16-bit um and it's just it's beautiful and kind of the way i personally try and evaluate like the um art style in games now specifically because we can't really fairly compare something that was made in the 90s to something that was made today um is how well is everything like the, are the set pieces designed how well is everything come together with what they have and this is one of those games that it all comes together perfectly like from everything lucas was mentioning the animations on the attack using what they have the um you know the 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 places you actually get to explore how those are designed the tone that is set in those places and that's established is designed so well um and i want to mention too like i don't know i don't think this was included in the original version to be fair but like the versions today the the ports to the pc at least and i'm assuming to the your the ipad device as well it has a lot of like really cool anime cutscenes in it yeah it does and (laughs) they're super fun and adds a lot kind of helps bring the world alive and you know i'll count that as a um, part of the game even if it's newer uh, i think it's sick so it's all, okay. it's all really yeah. good yeah yeah into that what was your favorite uh like dungeon set piece that you encountered oh i really loved everything in like the zeal like the underwater palace the black omen and stuff like the zeal architecture was really cool um it felt yeah. like futuro like 
it felt it felt very futuristic even though they were supposed to be an ancient civilization i thought that was really cool um on top of the music was really cool there you know i i kind of really liked the uh, i don't even know if it qualifies a dungeon but this is like my favorite area it was like site 32 or something or like just one of the mutant areas that you walk through wander through yeah and uh the post-apocalyptic that might be a weird one to pick because it's so like kind of dreary and not colorful and stuff but it was that's kind of why i loved it because it was just like it was such an outlier yeah existing in what is otherwise in all the other timelines like a very bright and colorful area yeah uh i had a lot of fun with it they totally took and the monsters there were so much more kind of like like fallout-esque you know yeah they were super Uh, different very clearly mutants yeah yeah that was dope that was dope they totally took like cues from terminator or like any 90s sci-fi like post-apocalyptic stuff like totally there was one i was fighting it was just like a giant deformed baby i was like why yeah i know that one yeah yeah i know exactly that one um yeah uh, i'm in agreement with with pretty much everything you said um i i think the art style is amazing um and and really like the the art team like the teams that design like all the animations and sprites for the game they were all really informed by all the concept art from akira toriyama so like so much of, although he didn't have as heavy of a hand as most of the dev team, so much of the creative direction for the art comes from Toriyama, um, which is like just just so great. You know, it's it's probably like I really don't know how many like RPGs or video games in general Akira Toriyama has like done art direction for, <laughs> but yeah. like I'm just glad that he did one. You know, and it's like one of the greatest. You know, it's supposed to be one of the. It is one of the greatest games of all time. You know, I mean, probably the only other ones really is the, uh, <laughs> like the Dragon Ball games, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was even involved on those. Yeah, um, exactly. So super cool. So one thing I did want to talk about, and this this is a testament to you know how advanced the game was for the time. Um, when Chrono Trigger was released in 1995, it had a price tag of eighty dollars. No way. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. Um, it that's absurd back then. It is. It is absurd. That is a hundred and forty-two dollars in today's dollars. That's ridiculous. Who who was I buying don't know. this? I don't know. People bought a hundred and forty-two. Imagine buying a hundred and forty-two dollar game. Um, I think we would have anything's possible dedicated just I, to like shit just on to it. a game like that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. I mean, this is a, a pre like like a pre-anime america bought it you know it got phenomenal it shattered expectations it sold more than they thought it would it it got better ratings than they thought it would and better scores but it was 142 dollars and it think about what this game that's that's how much people actually were willing to pay for it because of the way it looked you know like they actually like it was really graphically ahead of its time for the system that it was on people people thought it was worthy of of 80 dollars in 1995 you couldn't get away with that today. I know, I know. You definitely couldn't, especially because every game is free, though. It's a different model now. I think people were. I'm not. I'm not justifying that high price tag for back then, but I will say that it was probably easier to get someone to buy a piece of media back then than it would be today. People don't buy anything today. <laughs> people don't, don't buy anything these days. I agree so. with that, but I mean, even like five years ago, the 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 microtransaction model and like the oh, you buy whatever like valorant like you buy skins your league you buy um skins and whatever right like that model wasn't nearly as big as it was say even five years ago um and i even like five or even ten years ago i'm i i can't i mean i can't imagine a 15 year old me being like fuck i gotta i I gotta gotta buy buy that yeah i know right i know it's kind of nutty to think about it's cool it's sick like it's a crazy fact but um 
I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed and it's a testament to how good this game is. I'm very impressed that it did that well. I know. The price tag. I know. And it's crazy how that, like, I had to kind of dig for that fact. It was kind of buried in, in a couple of videos that I saw. Um, it It's like not, it, it's not something that people lead with when they talk about Chrono Trigger. So it actually managed, like, if it was a bad game, people would have been like, destroyed. yeah, it's a $142 bad to, game. I would love to find an old article and just see how game magazines or whatever were reporting on it during that time. Yeah, I would love to see that too. That would have been a, a, a great session here. Um, but yeah, uh, so moving on to sound design. Yes. Oh, man, sound design. Go, you could you could start. I mean, just really, really freaking good music. And even the sound design, like the attacks is good. Um, but a really good music. I really loved the opening, just music in particular, the opening cinematic when you started the game. And I don't know why I really fucked with the uh, the overworld music. Um, Which one? There, there was actually a lot. Particularly the main one that you get when you're in just whatever their land is called in their timeline. The present, uh, uh, Guardia in, in present time. Guardia, and I think you get it in the 600 AD as well. Um, I really enjoyed that music. Magus had a dope theme. The Lavos fight music is lit. Scala's theme was really beautiful. I love um, Scala's theme. I, I was I was listening to it a little bit while I was doing my notes for this actually, it's and so I good. found I found a funny comment on the YouTube videos. I was just saying, man, imagine twenty years ago, all these nerds just had to play the game and just have it sit there to keep listening to this on repeat because they didn't have YouTube yet. <laughs> Dude, that's so true. It was yeah, so hard to find um, this stuff back then. Oh yeah, I mean that would, it would have been so so hard. Um, kind of something we probably take for granted now because I listen to a lot of like random video game and anime music, but. um and i really 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 liked the uh it's kind of interesting i didn't at first i was like what is this but the more i listened to it i liked it the music in the um the old days the old ages with oh uh, when it's oh uh like at the party oh yeah the i was like at first i hated it but the scene the cutscene where yet they have it in particular it goes on for a really long time and I just kept listening to it. Yeah. And I was just like, that was kind of slapped. Yeah, yeah, it does. It and does then um, I noticed they had it in a festival. I didn't really fully explore the festival area my first time and I, the game started. And they had like a little area dedicated to like celebrating that era of music, which was pretty cool. Yeah, that was cool. That was a cool like foreshadow because I went yeah. to that era at the very beginning of the game and then it shows up later and you're like, oh, dang. Like yeah. they, they, we remembered the song. Yeah, um, yeah totally. Um, I love I love the music in this game for sure. Um, so Yasunori Mitsuda is the legendary composer for the game, and the story is actually that he so he did nearly all the songs except for a few that are credited to Nobuo Matsu. Nobuo Matsu has done much of the Final Fantasy composition, like over pretty much the whole Final Fantasy series. I think he did the very first one, and he just recently stopped, um, from what I remember. Or took took a long hiatus um, because he was actually burnt out from from making so much music for uh, Square. Um, but Yoshinori Matsuda, the story is that he gave SquareSoft an ultimatum since he was just kind of stuck doing sound design for so long for like random Dragon Quest games that he said he really wanted a shot to fully compose a game, and they like miraculously gave him a shot to do Chrono Trigger, like their brand new big game, and he worked night and day. Uh, to do the soundtrack and so much that he actually ended up like suffering from so much stress he developed stomach ulcers holy shit and had to like take take a step down for a second and then Naboi Uematsu came in and helped finish out a few songs and like finished out like you know five or ten tracks for him um but like 
Mitsuda is was so insane. He actually like passed out. He was working so much he would pass out sleeping at his desk while working. And he claims that some songs came to him in the dreams that he had then. Like some songs that that like he wrote. I, I forget which specific songs he cited, but like he said that some of them came to him like literally in a dream. And he also claims that he wrote the Chrono Trigger theme in one sitting. Which Bullshit. is mind blowing. Yeah, I, that's what he said, and I was like, I don't know, man. Like that that theme is like I like legendary, iconic, and it's actually really it's big, like it's just so it's a big layered. Piece, right? yeah, yeah, and y- you can hear it. Like uh, people have obviously done orchestrated arrangements of all of these pieces, um, and like the Chrono Trigger theme is gigantic. It's like it's a full orchestrated piece. Yeah. I like, and he says he did it in one sitting. I, that dude's a maniac, I guess. Um, <laughs> But there's a few things I want to call out with um, with the sound design. So, the it's not just the the greatness of the music itself, but it's certain cues and certain ways that it's used. For instance, Melchior, um, the guy that repairs the Masamune, he's from Zeal originally, right? And he's just lost in time. And you find him, you bring him the Masamune, and he repairs it for you. And he like his name is on the sword. That's how you find out that you have to take it to him. And you go, like, one of the characters will go, hey, so, like, why is your name on this sword? And he says, ah, that's a long story. I'll just repair, I'll just repair your sword. Yeah, <laughs> he, like, yeah. doesn't tell you the story. So you're, you don't know at that point that he's from, like, a completely different time period. You think he just kind of lives there. And when he repairs the sword, the song Corridors of Time plays, which is the theme song for Zeal. Like, the... the that's playing so it's actually they actually use the music to foreshadow it's the first time you hear that song it's such an iconic song it's a great one um and it's actually the first time you hear it is when the masamune is getting repaired um because the masamune itself is also from zeal so uh, it's just just an interesting little sound thing there um the also the other thing too is like um i just made a couple notes here when you fight against lavos's second form the music actually starts changing and blending into like a synthy feel. Like it starts kind of getting like a little electronic in a sense. And it has, but it still has like the really amazing horns and orchestrated feel from like the rest of the songs in the game. And it even has like sound elements from Magus's fight, which is another interesting parallel. And, and, and then the final fight with Lavos is like really electronic and synthy. It's like, plug it in in post-production here but it also has the choir 
like sounds from the very beginning of the game. So like when you're playing the fight against like Lavos, like when you're playing in that moment, it literally feels like time is like colliding. Like it just feels like you're hearing something from the very beginning of the game and something brand new that you've never heard before. And like you're also flying through time like in the fight itself. So it's just out of control good. Like the sound really, design is so good. I really enjoy when games use the music kind of to influence the story in certain ways and to really impact the player and like evoke those emotions the the best example i can think of is when you and i played uh when we did journey for the podcast that music was very much intertwined with that experience and i think it's very much the same thing here in chrono trigger as well totally 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 let's see up next uh do, do we want to hear from producer producer sam at all or oh you know what okay the Sam, so I got, I got the Sam record, I got the Sam recording here. It's called Sam's monologue. I checked uh, the, I checked the soundboard earlier. There's a couple others there. That yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't need to use them, fortunately. Uh, <laughs> so just, just as a little background, um, Duke Sam, producer Sam, genuinely thought that you would give this one a really bad score. Like he was, he was really afraid of that. Well, we're not there yet. So, so we'll I guess he did prepare some sound bites just in case that did happen. <laughs> But he also prepared a soundbite in case you did. You gave it a really great I'm score. I'm seeing that. So, yeah. we, have, so we, have, we have both queued up. <laughs> I'm glad we'll that see you what see, happens. I'm glad that you see him there. But we yeah. do have Sam's monologue. Um, we're going to play it for you guys here before we jump into the final NPC awards. Um, again, he is not currently here. He's in Mykonos, Greece. Um, Scouting out locations for the Thanks for Playing movie. That's right. That's right. So <laughs> here is producer Sam and his thoughts on Chrono Trigger. Yo, 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 this is Sam, producer Sam of Thanks for Playing. Um, You guys are, you know, probably at the end of the podcast or whatever part of the podcast that you're on and you're inserting this audio and you guys are talking about Chrono Trigger, the best game ever made. And uh, (laughs) Matt, I know you've probably had some ridiculous takes on here. So, um, yeah, man, whatever you do, don't give this game a seven. Uh, you know, this game deserves a nine or a ten. I mean, even giving it a nine is crazy in my opinion. Uh, so, oh, you know, don't be ass, Matt, and don't say that this game's about nostalgia because you're going to say that about every game uh, that is really going in on you. Before man. I know. 1998, I guess is every he going to talk about sucks. Chrono Trigger? Uh, from the 90s, right? Um, just like <laughs> Citizen fuck? Kane. So, you know, don't get those bad okay, reviews. Uh, don't. Okay, uh, hang on. I just want to pause for a second. Do you want to talk about the Citizen Kane thing for a sec, or you want to move on? Um, I mean, I know I don't. I don't think I don't really remember arguing too passionately about this, but um, I think Sam just doesn't like me. No, um, <laughs> I um, I don't like Citizen Kane. It's a very well-known movie for like film buffs. Very like kind of. Correct me if I'm wrong. Luke is considered to be like one of the best movies. It's all considered time, to be the much. greatest movie of all time. Um, I think it's a bad movie. I think it's overrated. <laughs> um, it's um, a whole bunch of buildup for one really okay line at the end. Um, to be fair, I watched it in film class when I was 15 or 16, so I'd probably feel a little bit differently about it now. Maybe worth a rewatch, but um, did not do anything for me back then. So that's why Sam said uh, Citizen Kane just now in his monologue. Let's continue. You know, don't don't get yourself in that hole again. Um, <laughs> although it might be some good pub publicity for the the pod, so uh, you know, choose uh, choose wisely. But um, 
no seriously uh chrono trigger an amazing and amazing an amazing and amazing an amazing game um i love this game so much and i'm so sad i couldn't be on this episode um and i just want to say that i i just want to say a few good things about the game um and i want to say that it's one of the most playable accessible well-balanced games ever made um it's just so easy to play through this game and feel like you're uh going through the storyline but you're also having a lot of fun with the gameplay um everything about the game just seems to be very captivating very interesting um and i think that's why it's really stood the test of time (laughs) and um (laughs) yeah you know there there are not many games that are up to this caliber and going back and replaying it it just still blew my mind i used to rent this game from a local um rental store uh in mine and lucas's hometown and i rented it before i could even read and i think i rented it when i was four or five when it first came out wait hold up wait hold up i didn't know how to play the game but i kept renting it until i think i was 11 and i finally beat it okay Um, that made sense with my satisfying moments of my life but there was just (laughs) something about it even before i knew what the story was about that drew me in and uh it's just such a magnificent special game um i'm so bummed i missed this episode but um yeah i just want to say chrono trigger one of the best games ever made one of the goats for sure it deserves all its praise it's it's pretty much like the godfather or the godfather 2 of video games is what i would equate it to like if you're saying this game sucks it's just because you're dumb and uh <laughs> you have no taste and no soul um so yeah um chrono trigger i love you i know lucas loves this game matt i hope you love it too i have no idea what you're saying about it but i kind of do so uh, yeah um good luck with the rest of the pod Sam producer, Sam Luna. I'm probably out in uh, Mykonos or Italy playing some Chrono Trigger. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, good luck, boys. Love you. All right, man. That was awesome. <laughs> that was very special. Um, Bro, he like spent. He, he really half got. Of that was just ripping into me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so before. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, yeah he, he, really, he really assumed that you wouldn't like the game just because the Super Metroid reputation that you garnered. Um, but you know, I, I think, uh, things, things, this, you're really turning it around. <laughs> uh, sorry. I didn't know he would shit on you so much. That was, uh, are you okay? I'm, uh, it might affect my score. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, please. No. <laughs> um, damn. Um, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> no, that was, um, well, well, I'm, you know, what? I'm, I'm glad I made that much of an impact on Sam. Um, okay, great. And, uh, I, I really enjoyed getting his little thoughts and the fact that he was playing this game before he could read was, I mean, I don't even know if you're playing it at that point, but I'm glad he was renting it because yeah. <laughs> I got a lot. Of, you got to read a lot. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Uh, moving on. 
to the NPC award, uh, a couple of our final categories, companion piece pick, favorite moment. Uh, NPC award, who you got? Um, the golem that was afraid of heights. I um, love that. I love that. Oh, my God. It's amazing. <laughs> it's uh, such a good pick. Yeah, for context, there's the golems are, like, pretty difficult enemies. So one showed up um, on top when you're, like, literally on top of a flying aircraft. And I'm thinking, ah, whatever. Got to go through this real quick. It'd be kind of a pain, but whatever. And I'm realizing the golem's not attacking me. And it's just like, I'm I'm scared. And it was just literally afraid of heights. And it was so random because unless I missed it, there's not really any other enemies like that that just won't fight barring like one like turtle type rock thing yeah um there's like another enemies that really even engage in dialogue with you like that but this one was just like other than bosses but this one was just so like i can't i can't do it yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just so it kind of it almost took me like it was good but it almost took me out of like huh but i, I loved that it was, it was funny yeah. as hell all right yeah that's a great that's a great npc award actually uh mine is actually going to come from uh go to balthazar uh, Balthazar is the guru of reason uh, from the kingdom of Zeal. He actually gets lost and sent to the year 2300 during the catastrophe of Lavos. He actually creates your time machine. He creates the wings of time um, before he dies. And then he uploads his brain into a new, which is like those blue creatures that are like big and round. Um, and he delivers his final message. He's the only guru that actually dies. He's one of like the only real character deaths, and his death is like actually very tragic. He basically dies creating a time machine, and he never gets to use it, and like he was forever lost in time. Basically, like he yeah. he got the he got the worst end of the deal because he like was sent to the post apocalyptic future in this like random lab and just spent his the rest of his life creating a machine and then dies before it's ever used. It's like yeah, actually very sad. And then the last thing you do is actually he uploads his brain into the new, and then you shut him off at the very very end and he you basically kill him uh, so I, he can I, rest so he could rest he asks yeah, you to. He asks yeah you to. he asks you to do it and i think that's a really powerful like ending for that guy like he, he doesn't say like kill me please for god's sake it's more just like hey i'm done like i fulfilled yeah. my i fulfilled my purpose you could put this thing to sleep now yeah and um i don't know thought it was a uh, really powerful stuff yep um companion piece pick uh, when I beat the two golems, that was really oh sorry, that was favorite moment. Um, companion <laughs> piece, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Didn't? Oh dang it! That was that that was mine originally. I did change mine, but I I yeah. like that. Tell, to ex- expand on that. Let me hear. Uh, I think it's just a really good adventure. I think Avatar: The Last Airbender is one of the most iconic cartoons in recent time slash anime. That's a whole debate in of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a remarkable TV show, and very like kind of similar ideas of like oh adventure you know friends coming together to do something and uh i just think if you like chrono trigger you'll love avatar last airbender okay yeah i agree with that bunch of kids going on an adventure to defeat the evil villain using the power of the elements pretty pretty on point there uh companion piece pick dragon ball z I was going to do that. Actually, so first I had Avengers Endgame, actually, because time travel. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, and then I was like, oh, I can do a little better than that. And then I went to Dragon Ball, and now I'm at Avatar. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not a far, not a too far of a leap. Uh, Dragon no. Ball Z, I mean, it's another classic, like, uh, you know, era, era, 90s era thing, uh, both, you know, really designed and, and directed by Akira Toriyama, or I guess concepted artistically mm-hmm. by Akira Toriyama. Um, you know, if... It, I'm su- I'd be surprised if someone out there has never heard of Dragon Ball Z. So this one should not be like too far off or too big of a surprise. So that's my companion piece pick. 
Love it. Favorite moment, Lucas, go. Uh, the couple things. I got one and I got a runner-up. The final battle um, is really, really amazing. Um, and I think my runner-up has got to be... Oh, God, I got three favorite moments. My bad. <laughs> okay, actually, favorite moment is where uh, Zeal is destroyed and it's revealed that Magus is the prophet. And then all three of the legendary gurus are sent to their different areas of time. Like they get stranded where they're, where they go. Yeah. Um, that moment is really amazing uh, because it, there's a big reveal where the prophet turns out to be Magus. Chrono dies. And then all three of the sages are sent in, uh, throughout their time periods. And like, it, there's just a lot of, there's like three twists that basically happen all at once. Like really amazing. Um, my runner up is where you acquire, uh, it's a side quest where you acquire the green dream and you find out like why uh, Luca's mom cannot walk. It's a very, very emotional side quest um, where basically Luca as a kid couldn't stop an accident from happening um, and is, is then filled with regret and trauma. Uh, and it's it's a really really powerful side quest, way 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 deeper than I was expecting. Did not expect to cry uh, when I was playing the game, and I did. So it's it yeah, it's really good. Um, what about you? Uh, so mine was beating the golems that I mentioned earlier because that was like when I felt really. I just felt like man, I get this game now. I'm smart. And then um, <laughs> Chrono dying because I was just like, Nani. Like, <laughs> it was so just out of left field. I wasn't really ready for it. Um, and kind of the implications too. I, I'm not totally clear on how the time travel mechanics work here. For what it seems to be implied that it's like one timeline in something multiverse like Avengers Endgame or even like Dragon Ball is. Um, so I'm not sure if that means the chrono that they revived. I don't know if that means that that's a brand new chrono, if that's the same chrono. And the, I'm really confused on that. So I can't tell if it's implied that their chrono still actually died and then they just went and took a new one, basically. No, <laughs> it's kind of hard to tell. Let's not overthink um, that one. You know? I know. I, I, that's just that's just who I am. But I was like, uh, uh, nani? <laughs> um, but yeah, I enjoyed both those parts quite a bit. Awesome. Um, nitpicks, I'll go, because I don't think you have any. Um, story in the beginning and was extremely weak, in my opinion, and no real driving forces. Um and then this might have been more of a port issue on the PC or just a general personal me issue. Um, the invisible barriers, I, I, uh, let me context. What I found when I was walking, like I'd be next to a rock, but I'd be like, I'd be walking in a space where the rock shouldn't be in my way, but it would be in my way. And I couldn't walk. Like it's like the barrier of it extended. Um, even if it was just like open territory and it was just, it happened enough. It wasn't like a game breaking thing by any means, but it just, it, it kept recurring and happening enough to where I'm like, this is kind of annoying. Um, I'm not sure if maybe that's a PC port issue or whatever, but yeah, only real nitpicks for me. Okay. Um, I do, I do just have a real quick nitpick and it is that story part that you mentioned. Um, it's like the, the revelation of Lavos and like the, the whole driving motivation is, is really weird. <laughs> like, yeah. I know it eventually like kind of, fades into the background of the plot points and just everything that happens. It just kind of ends up feeling like it's naturally what you should be doing. But like when Lavos is revealed and like your characters just decide to go like, we're going to kill Lavos. This is it. Yeah. Like we have to, it's like, I was like, no, you don't have to yeah, just go like back home. Yeah. Just go home. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I do agree with you on that point. It's my only nitpick for it. Um, 
uh, this question feels weird for this episode, but would you play other games from this developer? Square Enix, Kingdom Hearts, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's back then this is Square Soft, technically. It's before they, right. they became yeah. Square Enix, but, you know, same same company generally. And, um, I mean, I've already played a million games by them, and we've played Kingdom Hearts for the podcast. i tell you what, though. I would love to see this game get a remake in the same way Final Fantasy VII did. That would be pretty cool. Um, I think that's been toyed around with a little bit. Uh, there's actually there was an attempt at a fan made 3D remake of the game called Chrono Resurrection, and Square Enix gave them a cease and desist and shut it down. Huh. Um, which is pretty sad. Um, but if you look go on YouTube and look at some footage, you'll find it. It like legitimately looked pretty cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, like they recreated it with like new assets and like they I think they did some battles and and all that stuff. Um, I would love a FF7 remake, but the FF7 remake, like, I I want it to be less, like, I haven't really played the FF7 remake, to be perfectly honest. I've just seen, like, a lot of clips, and I just, the voice acting would, would really be tough to get through, especially yeah. Chrono's a silent protagonist, so it'd be, like, a little weird, um, but yeah, if, that's true. I, that, that would be my only, like, qualm would be, like, if it'd be an epic 3D like adventure game, it would have to have. Like, I don't know. And, and the original Jack and Daxter game, um, Jack is a totally silent protagonist. Really? And that yeah, and that game did well. Yeah, he just like, you just gotta make sure your character is very expressive, and they have someone that kind of does their talking for them in a way. Yeah, nah, that's kind of what every other character is in Chrono a little bit. Yeah. Um, awesome. All right. So final conclusive thoughts on the game. Go ahead, Matt. Uh for considering it was an older game i really liked it um sam i'm, I'm sorry you have such a little opinion of me on this stuff <laughs> um no great game um i don't think i'd go out of my way to play it again personally just it's still like i enjoyed it but not my wheelhouse per se but i think it's a great game awesome um yeah i i think for Chrono Trigger, it manages to be everything people love about JRPGs while being really accessible, I think. Um, there's a lot of subtle depth to the combat, which we've gone into. Everything is character-based and not class-based, which I think is a really accessible thing to do for JRPGs. It's a fantastic... Uh, and it's a, I think it's an imaginative story, but it's not too convoluted, which I think is really cool. Sometimes these stories get a little convoluted. Kingdom Hearts, for instance, it's like impossible oh, yeah. to follow in my head. Um, it doesn't require any grinding. It's less than 20 hours long. That's like an amazing thing to ask for from a JRPG. Um, has some of the best music ever. Um, but it, it, And it also has some some solid emotional beats. So kind of hits all, all, checks all boxes for me. Um, really, really great video game. Really great RPG. All right. So uh, it's time for the thanks for playing score coming from me and Matt. Uh, this is where we give our score out of 10 and we add it up and it becomes a score out of 20 becomes the main review score on all platforms matt get ready to give our score three two one ten nine okay wow all right hang on hang on i got a sound queued up for that yo matt hell yeah brother 
right. Okay, okay. You've done, if I gave you, it an eight, what would I have got? Uh, you probably would have still gotten that. Uh, we did yeah. have uh, producer Sam did record this one. Matt, your ass. <laughs> but we didn't we didn't have to use it you're all good he told me to use it if you gave it below an eight but you know you're in the safe zone with the nine so Sick. Yeah. we're all good we're all good yeah I'll, I'll go remind real quick um i was gonna give it an eight too but the only reason i was gonna give it an eight was because it's an older game and that's not my vibe but i'm trying to review this as objectively as i can and i think for what it is it's a very good game um and my nitpicks like i mentioned what they are i mean story i can get over that at the end of the day um and the invisible barriers that might have just been a me thing so gets a nine for me all right man yeah i mean i i i love this game so much it's it's a 10 for me and the more i learned about its development cycle its dream team you know the the heart and soul and the ambition put into the the people that made the game just made me love it even more um and uh i I'll, i'll definitely play it again uh years from now um for you know whenever whenever i get around to it again i recommend that everybody play it at least once it's not a long game that's the thing it's it's as long as like a lot of like triple a games that people play today and i think it's as i think it's as accessible as a lot of those games um it's even playable on like mobile ipad ios android yeah that's um, how you played it steam yeah Yeah, i played on ipad and um you know i don't think i lost anything from doing that um and it's even on the it's on the DS little little out of uh out of date there, but it's everywhere. Um, and I think it's it's you can just find a copy. Great. I actually tried to find a copy for my DS. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that is all we got today, Matt. Where can we? Where can the pe- good people out there find us online? All right, everyone. As always, you can find us online on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. As I mentioned, we are on TikTok again. Go ahead and leave us a follow there. We are really trying to ramp up our posting. So you can find us on all three of those social platforms on the handle at TFP Podcasts. That's TFP Podcasts with an S at the end. And you can also shoot us an email if you have any questions, maybe some game recommendations. Let us know what you want to see. Thanks for playing pod at gmail.com. And as always, please follow, subscribe, rate, review wherever you listen to your podcast. Helps us grow, helps us get the good word out there to more wonderful people like yourself. And it keeps helps us inspiring us to keep the good content going. Um, and if you want to hang out with me, you can follow me on Twitter at Good Idea Matthew. Uh, I cannot hear you, Lucas. Oh, my bad. Awkward. Uh, if you want to hang out with me or message me, you can message me or follow me on Instagram at Good Idea Lucas. Um, I'm also always on our Discord server, so make sure you go and uh, join our Discord server where we're having constant discussion about Chrono Trigger and the Steam Deck as of recently. Yes, yes, love it. All right, everyone. This has been. Thanks for playing. Catch you next time. Skip it up. Thanks for playing is a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Samuel Luna. And our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch and Red Circle. Thank you.